Welcome to Indoor Voices, presented by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. Join us as we explore the great indoors and talk to experts about how to improve our indoor environments. Welcome to Indoor Voices, brought to you by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. Today we have Stephen Lewis, a good friend of mine, looking forward to today's interview. And uh, Stephen, if you would tell us what, what, what you do for Millicare and kind of what a day in your life looks like. Sure. So I'm the technical director for Millicare. And basically that with that, I wear a lot of hats. So I do a lot of troubleshooting with franchisees, um, going through how to deal with difficult situations. I also am responsible for third-party certifications of our products or our methods, uh, for specifying equipment that's used by our network, um, for registering our products with third parties or different countries. I'm also in charge of our training program. I'm an IICRC, and that's the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification approved instructor. So I do teach classes on behalf of the IICRC to our franchise network. So in any given day, I could be doing multiple of those things, or maybe teaching a class face-to-face -face with a group of franchise technicians. No, that's awesome. So you have an absolutely full day. Yeah, I do. I also sit on a couple of committees for the uh, IICRC as well. So that also takes up some of my time. No, that's great. That's great. Um, for our viewers that may not exactly know what Millicare is or what the Millicare business is, could you give us a quick synopsis? Sure. Our network is a franchise network. We have franchises in multiple countries around the world, and we basically provide floor and textile cleaning to the commercial customer. That's awesome. So we are kind of, I guess you could say, in the building service contractor space, or a lot of facility professionals would consider us that because we're in commercial facilities. So now that vaccines have become present, prevalent, I should say, um, for many building service contractors, business is picking up. And Millicare being a flooring maintenance business, um, what's your initial thought about people coming back to healthy environments? Definitely, there is going to be concern from employees coming back to the office with regards to the health and safety of the building that they're occupying. So I think it's going to be um, important for facility managers and building owners to make sure that employees have a comfort level, that they see that cleaning's going on, that it's getting done, that the environment's being looked after, and that it's safe and healthy. So they have that comfort level um, and are confident coming back to work in an indoor space. That's not their home. There are multiple ways to clean floors and remove dirt. And to split hairs a little bit, why is Millicare an option to what you said earlier that can help with the health aspect of a clean environment? Well, one of the things that we did early on, Brian, was to actually have our methodology of cleaning tested by air quality sciences. So we had, we had carpet loaded with known pollutants, things like viruses, things like old spores, particulate, VOCs, which are smells and odors, especially like tobacco. And what we did is we used our methodology in the lab to clean this polluted carpet. And then we measured before, during, and after to see what the impact was on the air that was in and around that carpeted environment. And what we were able to show was that we can remove anywhere from 88 to 99% of those pollutants 
doing one pass of our cleaning technology. So we know that there's a health benefit when we clean carpet that helps to remove a lot of pollutants that might be in the air in that interior space. Now the health aspect, although a primary aspect of cleaning isn't the only aspect, right? But it is a major one. Um, Second would be appearance. What kind of appearance can a Millicare customer expect to have on their carpet? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Brian, because what we have trained our franchise sales technician, uh, salespeople to do is to build programs using our technology to clean carpet. So what they'll do is based on specific soiling rates and traffic conditions is build in frequencies of cleaning that allow the carpet to look very good on an ongoing basis. And this also limits the damage that can be done on carpet when it gets heavily soiled because we're building a proactive program where we remove the soil before it has a chance to build up and become unsightly. So you're gonna see a very consistent appearance level with our technology and the way we clean carpet and the way we build our programs so that you'll hardly ever notice that the carpet's dirty at all. So Stephen, what would you say is the number one issue causing carpet wear and tear? Okay, the number one issue is dry, abrasive soil. So basically sand, right? And carpet is made of plastic. Well, if you've ever taken sandpaper and sanded plastic, obviously what it does is it scratches and abrades it. And what happens then is the carpet fibers don't reflect light like they did when they were new, and they're going to look dull and delustered. So that's the number one issue is making sure that you're on a actively removing that dry soil on an ongoing basis so that it doesn't do the damage that it might potentially do if it builds up too much. So number one, vacuum, and number two, clean on a regular basis. Easy enough, but what would you say to a regimen of vacuuming once every month or so and cleaning the carpet once per year? I mean, they're vacuuming and cleaning. Exactly, but you're not doing it frequent enough to benefit, to get the maximum benefit of the carpet life and appearance levels. Um, Most manufacturers out there would recommend that you vacuum daily in high traffic areas, two to three times a week in medium traffic areas, and once or twice a week in low traffic areas. And you'll see that's pretty consistent across all carpet manufacturers. They'll write those specifications right in their maintenance recommendations. As far as cleaning goes again, it all depends. So again, Our franchises are trained to build programs, and that's what they will evaluate the frequencies on is, is the frequency uh, effective enough to remove the type of soil, the amount of soil, and the amount of foot traffic that's happening in various parts of your building? And they'll assess that, and they'll give you a recommendation. Again, the customer isn't held to that recommendation, but uh, that would give you the number one A-plus appearance level. Now, if that's something they don't have in their budget, we can adjust and give them the best bang for their buck. But again, the frequencies are really going to be dependent on a lot of variables within the building. And again, the traffic levels, the soiling levels, the type of soil, the environment, where it's located, all of those things play into how frequently you need to clean your carpet. Stephen, from an IICRC standpoint, Are there any good metrics that we can point commercial customers to that'll give them guidance on how often they should clean and how often they should vacuum? Yes, Brian. 
Um, the IICRC, one of the things they do other than uh, conduct classes and training is they write standards. And the standard for professional carpet cleaning is called the S-100. And in that document, there are guidelines based on traffic and soiling rates and walk-ons for how frequently um, different areas of, the, of your building should be cleaned. So that's a good uh, guideline right there that customers can look at and say, okay, am I doing it frequent enough or am I doing it too much? But the, gu the guidelines are there. So I definitely recommend that anyone in the building um, service business or facility management business, get a copy of that document and review it. No, that's awesome. So you explain how Millicare is different um, from a cleaning side, but as a guy who started as a carpet cleaning technician, I have my own opinions on this next question and it's a fun one. Knowing they need to vacuum so often, are all vacuums created equal? Absolutely not. Um, there are vacuums that are effective at removing soil and then just blow that soil right back into the air. Um, and there are vacuums that have rotating brush action that will destroy some uh, foot carpets. So what, we always, what I always like to do is, for that very reason that all vacuums aren't created equal, another organization that we were involved with is called the Carpet and Rug Institute. And they've actually developed a vacuum testing program and it's called the Seal of Approval for Vacuum Cleaners. And the three things that they test are, does the vacuum remove soil? Two, does it filter that soil and contain it? And number three, does the um, rotating brush damage the texture of the carpet? So if a customer asks me, what vacuum do you recommend? I say, get an II or get a CRI approved, seal of approved vacuum. And they're all listed on the Carpet and Rug Institute's website, which is www.carpet-rug.com. Dot org and just look at the vacuum testing program and pick one. You, you never would have thought there was that much to carpet slash vacuums. But, but when it all shakes out on average, I guess you could say on average, how much square footage will a commercial customer clean as it relates to the total square footage in their facility for like an optimal program? Right, exactly. So most of the programs that our franchisees will recommend to a customer um, come out to about two and a half times the total footprint of the building is clean per year. And with that, you're going to get excellent appearance retention and really good long life from your carpet. All right, Stephen. So let's bring reopening back into view. What should facility professionals be thinking about regarding their carpet? They really need to th think about um, maintaining a high level of appearance because what that does is assures their employees or customers or guests that you're paying attention, that you care about the health, you care about the building, and you want them to feel comfortable returning. So you really want to make sure that if you clean this much before, you might want to take that up a level just so that all of the people that are entering your building have a comfort level and feel safe and healthy being in that environment. No, I like it, right? So they've got a purview as to, hey, everybody's coming back in. We want them confident in our space. And so my next question is a practical one, but definitely something to be thinking about. All of the fresh new wayfinding stickers and social distancing stickers are starting to be removed. What should our listeners keep in mind regarding the adhesive from those stickers and their carpet? 
Absolutely. It's a problem, Brian, because what happens is the adhesive, the sticker comes off, but sometimes the adhesive stays behind and it's hard to tell until people start walking on it. And that sticky adhesive starts to grab the dirt off their shoes. And now you've got a spot where the sticker used to be. So the building service contractor or the maintenance staff need to be diligent in making sure that residue is cleaned off the carpet fiber so that it doesn't cause a resoiling issue. What can facility professionals use to remove that adhesive? Well, there's basically two ways to remove adhesive and dissolve it. So one is to use a high pH or an alkaline cleaning detergent, um, something around a 10 or 11 or 12 pH uh, might dissolve that adhesive. The other thing is a dry solvent type cleaner, and that would be something that's either petroleum-based or alcohol-based to dissolve that adhesive so that it can be removed from the fibers of the carpet. All right, so it sounds like the adhesive is doing its job, but we're going to need the right type of chemical to make sure to remove that adhesive. But there's still more, right, from, from this reopening uh, that we're seeing. Give us your thoughts on, on hand sanitizer and floors. I'm sure this is another one facility professionals will have to tackle. I'm sure too, because not all of those hand sanitizers are created equal as well. And some of them can actually bleach the carpet or even do damage to hard surface flooring. So if they're going to continue to have these stations, which I you know, recommend they do, you might want to think about putting down some protective flooring underneath the station in case it would leak or someone would miss their hands so that it doesn't get on the floor and do damage. Um, you know, basically an, an entry type mat or a rubber mat, but anything to protect the flooring against spillage of those hand sanitizers would be a prudent thing to do. I'm going to bring, I'm bring us back to something that you had said earlier, Stephen, and I didn't uh, ask you this at that time. If a facility is addressing their floors at the cleaning and vacuuming rates that you've suggested, what kind of longevity can they expect regarding their carpet? Well, we've got customers that have had their carpet on the floor for 15 to 20 years. Now, what we really want to do is have the customer replace the carpet because they're tired of what it looks like, not because it's worn out and looks bad. That's really our primary objective. So the average life of carpet's about seven and a half years. And I would say the average life of carpet that's on a Millicare program is double that at 14 years. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. So something very recent that I want you to comment on. I've heard news on water restrictions um, in various regions. Um, knowing Millicare's approach is low moisture, might Millicare be a good solution from a cleaning standpoint? Absolutely, Brian. We do have a good solution when it comes to water usage because we use very little water. And we actually have the capability of bringing all the water we need to clean a customer's building with us rather than using any of the water at our customer's location. So we're not placing a burden on our customers um, by using their water. So we can, um, as, as I said, we have the capability of bringing all the water with us. No, that's good to know. So what other past environmental initiatives has Millicare implemented from kind of a supply chain standpoint? We um, strive every day to make ourselves more environmentally friendly. And a couple of things that we've done recently is we've gone to reusable packaging when it comes to our dry polymer so that we're not shipping the amount of plastic that we used to. So a refillable bag uses about five pounds less 
um, plastic than a bucket would. So we're definitely trying to be more environmentally preferable there. And then the other thing is we want our products to be as concentrated as possible so that we're not shipping water across the United States and really around the world. So we've taken some of our high volume products that are detergents and actually made them into a concentrated puck like an Alka-Seltzer tablet. So that we're literally shipping no water and we've lowered our environmental footprint significantly. Stephen, that's great. That's great. Millicare is definitely uh, forward thinking when it comes to not only what they do in their facility, but how they manufacture and deliver their products as well. So great talking to you today. Thank you so much for exploring the great indoors with us. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and subscribe. This podcast is an audio-only version of the Indoor Voices interview series presented by Millicare Floor and Textile Care. You can watch the video of this interview and find other episodes at millicare.com slash indoor voices.